Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Well, welcome to the second hour of Mornings with Carmen today on this Tuesday, the 10th of August. If you missed the first hour, you can go and listen to it. It's posted as a podcast. Listen on demand at MyFaithRadio.com. So I want to lead off with um, a news item that you might have missed, but it's the one thing that you need to go and watch if you haven't seen it yet. So the Olympic Games um, are, are, aren't they over, Paul? How, aren't they yep, done? Yep, they wrapped up Sunday. Done? Okay. So this video of the astronauts spoofing the Olympics in the zero-G uh, version of it. So the Olympic Games transcending gravity and earthly boundaries. The, the astronauts are from around the world were competing in their own version of of the games on the International Space Station, including such things as synchronized space swimming. Uh, There were four events, as I understand it, and um, they are hilarious to watch. And so let me just encourage you, uh, weightless sharpshooting event proved very difficult. You apparently, uh, you know, you have no control over the rubber band that you are trying to shoot toward a target in zero gravity. Um, but there's a the there is a passing of the Olympic flag at the end of this because there is a member uh, on the International Space Station from Japan and there's one from France and so they passed at the end of their Olympic Games on the International Space Station they then passed the Olympic flag from uh, the astronaut from Japan to the astronaut from France it's just one of those it's one of those things that happened that is worthy of being aware of, worthy of celebrating, and worthy of saying, um, now look, there there is still a way to have some joy um, and to work together collaboratively and cooperatively. And we can laugh at ourselves even when we're doing very serious things. So I just commend that to you in case you missed it. It's, it's sort of the one thing worth finding and watching today um, on the internet. If you Google like, Olympics and the word astronauts or International Space Station and the word Olympics, I feel confident the videos uh, will come up for you as they did for me. Our friend Justin Gibney from the AND campaign uh, is with us next. We're going to talk about the percentage of uh, African-Americans who have received the COVID vaccine, why we're having, uh, why that particular community of people is uh, resisting vaccination. We're going to talk about how churches are engaging in that and, um, and we're also going to talk about the fact that, well, you know, studies show people are in reality not as offended as the media would have us believe. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right. Joining me now, Justin Gibney from the AND campaign. Justin, welcome back. 
Hey, Carmen. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right. So um, I am looking at numbers from yesterday from the CDC sort of tracking vaccine numbers across the country. And according to the CDC, as of yesterday, uh, non-Hispanic African-Americans have the lowest vaccination rate of all people groups uh, if you identify people groups by race race or ethnicity in the United States. So only 25.4% of all black Americans are fully vaccinated. Um, First, why does that number not surprise you or why does why does this um, vaccination hesitancy among African-Americans not surprise you? And then what are you hearing from church leaders in terms of their efforts to encourage people to get vaccinated? Yeah, I think there are a few things at play here. One is that we had some leaders uh, early on um, in, high, in high places say that they didn't trust the vaccine. Uh, so I don't think that helped. But probably the bigger issue is just that historically, I think there's just a lack of trust. There's a lack of trust in um, when it comes to medical issues. I mean, if you look at disparities when it comes to medicine, if you look at the history of what's happened in America sometimes, I think African-Americans do have reason not to trust what is said by people in the medical profession sometimes. And some of that stuff is still lingering. And people just, are, you know, they, they again, and also they, they don't necessarily trust what the media is saying either. Uh, you get different messages. We've gotten different messages from people in high places. Um, and so I think a lot of folks, and now I want to be very clear, I think that people should get vaccinated. But I do understand the lack of trust when told uh, what to do when it comes to medical issues. Well, and um, I can be really confident that because you and I are talking about this uh, and because there are uh, a number of folks listening who every time uh, even the word vaccine is raised, um, I get a lot of heated blowback in relationship to this. I can tell you that in the community where I live, a hundred percent of the people in the COVID ward at the rural hospital closest to me, a hundred percent of those people are not vaccinated. And so when we when we talk about vaccine hesitancy um, and, and in this rural community, um, we're not talking about African-Americans. We are talking about uh, overwhelmingly uh, white, Caucasian, uh, evangelical Christians. Like so. Right. So but that tends to be the group of people who are sort of most often talked about in the media. There's this sense that, you know, it's it's everybody watching Fox. That's the, that's the crowd that's not getting vaccinated. Um, but the statistically, African-Americans in the U.S. are actually the least likely to be vaccinated, first dose or fully vaccinated. And so I think that there's there's a story here. There's a, there's something that we need to be talking about um, related to the differences in the ways people who are uh, Asian, who Asian-Americans tend to be overwhelmingly getting vaccinated, much more so, much higher rates than everybody else. And then white Americans tend to sort of fall into the middle. And then black Americans um, and and Hispanic Americans tend to be the least likely to be vaccinated. And so I just I don't want to miss this storyline. And I also don't want to miss black pastors who are very now very engaged in the conversation because they are seeing um, large numbers of their people contracting the coronavirus and a number of them dying. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, first and foremost, when it comes to uh, 
um, COVID and all these things, we want to make sure the focus is on keeping people healthy, keeping people alive. And so that's mm-hmm. where, where, you know, my main focus has been on this particular issue. Um, at the same time, we know, I think you've pointed out something um, very astutely, the mainstream media has a narrative. Uh, that narrative oftentimes, unfortunately, wants to make certain groups look like they're stupid, uh, look like they're, you know, they always make bad decisions. And it makes other groups just look like they're, you know, they're always kind of on the other side of of, of being used or whatever. And so um, certain communities don't fit into that narrative. And so they're not going to talk about the folks that don't fit into their narrative. Uh, but I don't think anybody should be surprised that the black church and black pastors are at the forefront of trying to keep their community safe, uh, make sure that their community gets vaccinated. Um, the black church for long has been uh, kind of the the center of social, political, economic life for African-Americans. Um, and so to see pastors taking the lead on that is not uh, surprising to me at all. And uh, I'm, I'm trying to do what I can to support those efforts because it is really important. And, and I, although I understand the, the mistrust, uh, people have to get vaccinated and we need to make sure that we're keeping people safe. Yeah, I like your emphasis and focus on on health and what's going to keep us healthy and what's going to keep us, um, yeah, what's going to keep us healthy. I think that's the right emphasis um, as opposed to some political reason that uh, a person may or may not be led to be vaccinated. I think that's very, very helpful. Um, I want to touch on with you this conversation about whether or not people in reality are as offended as some would have us believe because there's different um, different stats out there. Polls tell us different things about this. So uh, Justin Gibney and I are going to have that conversation in just a moment. Are Native Americans really offended by the term redskins? Um, other conversations like that brewing across the country. We'll be right back. All right, we're going to talk for a moment about cultural appropriation and what is appropriate and inappropriate in terms of the ways in which we talk about one another, the ways in which we talk with one another, and the things that we do. So six years ago now, uh, there was a, uh, a poll released that found that nine out of ten Native Americans were not offended by the use of the name Redskins in relationship to the football team that plays in Washington, D.C. However, subsequently, a new study contradicted those numbers um, and found that more than 65% of the 1,000 Native Americans surveyed you know, said, you know what, um, we are offended. Uh, 65% said they were offended by sports fans performing a tomahawk chop. said they were offended by fans imitating Native American dances. So I I wanted to talk with you about this because cultural appropriation um, sort of spiked in the conversation in the last two weeks because there were at least a few, and this is where I I sort of want to test, test this. There were a few Hawaiians who were outraged that surfing is an Olympic sport because surfing is something that they say belongs to them not to people all over the world who want to stand on a surfboard and play in the waves. So cultural appropriation, um, the things that we do and say, and where are the lines? Where are the lines? That's a very good question, and I think it's 
we need to address more honestly um, when it comes to Native Americans, Indigenous people. Um, I want to listen. I, you know, I'd love to see what questions were asked in that asked in that first poll, and what questions and how the questions were asked in that second poll, because I think that has everything to do with how people responded. In my experience, people aren't as offended as again the mainstream media or others would would make them out to be. Um, I think people understand. I, I think people are looking at the intention of it. But at the same time, due to the history of this country, we have to be very considerate about how people feel in those instances. So I, I would you know, love to see a, a, reputable, a, a reputable organization with very transparent questions ask that question to people who aren't. In, it's also about who you ask. And so I'd love mm-hmm. to know how people are thinking because, and I'm going to talk about this in my podcast, you don't want to label people in, in ways that they don't want to be labeled, just like the whole Latinx thing. Very mm. few Hispanic people want to be called Latinx. But then you have these people in, in certain places that decide what they're going to label people. And so, I, you know, the surfing thing is is too much. I mean, you know, especially when it comes to the Olympics, when it comes to America, we always borrow and take and grow on one another, one another's culture. Should we be respectful about it? Yes. Should we make sure that we point to the people that originated it and make sure that they get some benefit from their creation, even even almost as a matter of intellectual property? Yes. And we haven't always done that. But the idea that everyone is hypersensitive about all these issues is is probably overblown. And I think if we go into it with uh, some consideration and compassion, the, many of these things don't have to become huge issues um, as long as we, we approach them honestly. You know, there was a time when we would say imitation is the highest form of flattery. Um, and yet some people are not flattered when um, – white girls get cornrows or white guys, you know, grow dreads. So can you explain that? Yeah. So I'll say this. Um, you don't get to control with people. Again, if you look at American culture, when it comes to music and everything else with how we dress, groups are always borrowing from one another. Um, now, I think, you know, when you, it comes to cornrows and how people do their hair, you might get some different looks, right? When they look like, oh, that doesn't look like it goes with who you are. But hey, mm. do do what you want to do. Anything more than uh, I didn't expect you to be wearing that or that's different. I think it's too much. You don't get to tell people what to do with their hair. They can do what they want with their hair. If they're inspired by somebody from another culture and how they dress or whatever, that's their business. Now, people may have, you know, inside jokes or whatever about it, and that's fine, too. But the idea that you can control somebody, you should shame them because they have uh, done something that normally another culture does. It's going too far. And that's something that I don't uh, necessarily uh, support. All right. When you um, when you talk about uh, the term Latinx, uh, listeners are one. Some people haven't even heard it. (laughs) So that's um, Mm -hmm. that's probably uh, something to unpack. The president, uh, President Biden, used the term. And that's actually what provoked the conversation in the wider culture, um, you know, resulting in Hispanic people saying, I I don't actually want to be called Latinx. Like, that's not who I am. Right. Yeah. The the idea comes from probably from academia that um, their culture is maybe too gendered. And when they're, you know, within the social construction that they're trying to put together, that gender type of language or I should say their language is too gendered. That gender type of language doesn't fit with how they're trying to construct uh, gender identity and all that. 
And so they're saying Latinx rather than Latino or Latina. The problem is most people who are Hispanic don't want to be called that. I think it's maybe less than 5%, and that 5% is very young, most likely in, you know, kind of academic spaces or very enmeshed in, in pop culture. So I, I think people should think twice before you put labels on people, uh, especially labels that they don't attribute to themselves. Yeah. All right. Um, lots of uh, lots of folks um, engaged in this conversation on the text line. So thank you for all of your comments that you are uh, that you're offering there. And remember, you can you can text me anytime during the show about anything. Eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. Okay. So, yeah. Apparently, people with fine hair can't do cornrows anyway. That's according to one listener. So there you go. That would mean, Justin, that you can live with the full confidence that you will never see me in cornrows because I have very thin hair. Got you. Okay. Fair I'm enough. Just saying. I mean, for, for all kinds of reasons, you're never going to see me in cornrows, but that would be now apparently one among them. All right. Gotcha. We don't have a lot of time to talk about this story, but I wanted you to have the opportunity to just make the case um, for the moral mandate for justice. There's a hundred-year-old individual, a former Nazi guard, and he's going to stand trial in Germany. You know, my my sense of this is the clock never runs out and the deeds of the unjust are never forgotten. But I'd love for you to just make the case for the moral mandate for justice, no matter how long it's been since the sin against a people was committed. Yeah, I think, you know, we have a um, responsibility to adjudicate matters of injustice. If something has happened, uh, I think the people need to speak and say that is wrong. Now, when it comes to the sentencing and all that, I mean, I think you know, we, we can be somewhat gracious and we can take age and those things into consideration, but the actual adjudication of it to say this was this happened and it was wrong. Uh, I think we do have a responsibility to carry that out. Thank you, as always, so much. Um, you guys ought to be listening to Justin's podcast. You can find it um, all over the place. But what's probably the easiest place to, to find the church politics podcast? You can go to Spotify or you can go to iTunes, and I'm hoping to have Carmen on there soon, but that's another conversation. All right. The Church Politics Podcast uh, from the Ann Campaign. You ought to check it out. Justin Gibney, thank you so much. Take care. All right. We'll take a break for Breakpoint. You know, listening to that break point, um, it makes me wonder, you know, where are the aggregated headlines of, you know, expressions of faith in these Olympics? I just, uh, you know, I don't know. There's a, there's faith lines drawn out of all kinds of other events, but maybe in this one, the overwhelming uh, evidence would have been a testimony to Christ. And I don't know, maybe people in the mainstream media are avoiding that. Oh, that's not possible. Okay. Um, let's see. What am I supposed to be talking about right now? Ooh, what's up next? The thing is, there's a thing beneath the thing. So what's the thing beneath the thing? What's hidden inside of us? Like, what's going on inside of us that is really the thing beneath the thing? And how can we get access God's help to deal with the thing beneath the thing so we can get on with the other things? Pastor Steve Carter is going to join us next. His new book is The Thing Beneath the Thing. We'll be right back. This is Max Lucado. When we are in the midst of a problem, it's difficult to see a way out. 
when we have limited resources, it's difficult to imagine being able to work with what we have. But God already knows how he will solve your problem, my friend, and God has infinite resources. You are the human. He is the divine being. Let him help you. Let him intervene. The next time you feel overwhelmed, remind yourself of the one who is standing next to you. What bewilders you does not bewilder him. When you present your needs to him, he never, ever turns to the angels and said, Well, it finally happened. I've been handed a code I cannot crack. The demand is too great even for me. You may feel outnumbered, but he does not. Give him what you have, offer thanks, and watch him go to work. working diligently to connect with Steve Carter, author of The Thing Beneath the Thing. But while we are uh, doing that, I'll just riff, as we say. Paul is working diligently, so I can't actually engage him in a conversation um, on headlines. So instead, I will just um, go around and find out what's happening in the headline news right now. Um, According to an APNORC poll, Americans have a high trust in doctors and nurses. You know, part of that is that they are operating in an environment that intimidates most of us. So in all of those places and spaces where you feel like, you know, you got a pretty good working understanding of what's going on, the policies, the practices, who does what, the hierarchy, how things work. Let me just say that um, there's two places where... I feel totally like a fish out of water. One of those is in the medical environment because I just feel like that is a world that is operating according to um, processes and systems and understandings that I, I most, for the most part, do not share. So I think that we, we tend to place trust, whether it's earned or not, we tend to place trust in people who are operating in an environment that's foreign to us, but which we need to access, we need to find our way through. So the court system would be another one, like, right, legal matters and things that are, uh, you know, this this is why when you get a a letter threatening, you know, somebody threatening to sue you over something, you're like, I got to talk to an attorney because I don't even know what, I I don't even, I don't know how all of this works. So there you go. There would be um, an interesting thing happening in the news today. One of the other headlines, and I have been trying to figure out how to talk about this and maybe who we will talk with about this. So I'm teeing this up for a conversation later in the week. Uh, I'm just telling you in advance. Apparently, social media influencers are now being contracted to help boost vaccination and vaccine rates. So um, be looking for that, be watching for that, because I'm going to be asking the question later in the week. Do these social media influencers influence you? Because they're only influencers if they're actually influencing people. All right. Joining us now, Pastor Steve Carter, author of The Thing Beneath the Thing. Steve, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, Carmen. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's an honor. It's launch day. It's launch day, man. (laughs) It really, really is. It's like you wake up and it just feels like you've just uh, birthed something into the world that you've really been praying and believing that God's going to 
God's going to do something with it. And so I, I am expected and hopeful, and it means the world to be on the show with you. Well, you're so kind. So the book is The Thing Beneath the Thing. Um, let's, you know, let's bring this baby out into the public view and show it off a little bit. Um, you provide in the book a step-by-step guide on how to, you know, kind of dig around in ourselves. And so THING is the acronym, Triggers, Hideouts, Insecurities, Narratives, Grace. How about we just walk through those five um, as we invite people, uh, you know, to to see the thing beneath the thing. Triggers. Perfect. Yes. Triggers are the setup that sets you off. And, you know, Paul says in Romans 7.15, I do not understand what I do. The good I want to do, I do not do. The thing I hate, I do. And I've never been able to just tell my wife after a bad day, I do not understand what I did. Um, and, and typically what I've realized is the reason I do what I did is because I got triggered and the trigger represents old pains, old wounds, old trauma. And if I don't have the courage to deal with that and get honest and human about it, all of that past is going to take me somewhere and it's going to take me to, to four places. It's going to take me to hide out. And that's like, that's the, the metaphorical places we go to escape our stories. It's like Genesis 3 all over again. And we, we all have hideouts, socially acceptable ones, socially unacceptable ones, where we go to hide our shame, our pain, our worry, our fear, our anxiety. Now, the second place I've seen people go is not just to hideouts, but to insecurities. And that's where we create false stories about ourselves. Uh, you've probably seen it. You get triggered and all of a sudden, it's like that old tape of lies just begins to ring over you. Like, you're, you're, you're not a good person. You, you did it again. You're such a screw-up. All these lies of the enemy. And I see people just power down. And sometimes when people get triggered, they power up out of insecurity. And they start getting verbally abusive or defensive. And then the third place that some people go is to narratives. And that's where they create false stories about other people. And instead of looking for what unites us in Christ and unites us as God's kids and creation, we look for what divides us and we start making blanket statement. All those people do this. Every one of them do it. And we get, it's just us getting triggered. And then the last one that I find of the healthiest Christ followers I know is that they understand they all have these wounds in their story and they want to be able to have the courage to deal with it. And they, they, they invite grace. They invite grace into it. John Wesley talks about three stages of grace. Um, the third stage is sanctifying grace. And that grace is that ongoing process with God's spiritual power that makes us whole, holy, and spiritually healthy. And, and that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that people would just invite more of grace, not just the grace that gets you out of hell card, but the grace that actually allows the God of all creation to help you be the most whole and healthy and holy person he desires and created you to be. Yeah, I, the, the, the grace part of this, um, you know, I think we talk about grace a lot. I'm not sure that we understand it, and, and I'm certain we don't invite it in as a, as a thing that works within us, like to work on us. And that's one of the things I appreciate about the thing beneath the thing. Um, I appreciate that there is this, how do I access God's power to deal with this stuff in me? 
as opposed to just thinking that I am working on a self-improvement project. And I think that's what you're inviting us to do. Allow grace to work in us so that we can not just work on ourselves, but we can really become our authentic selves. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And Dallas Willard, one of my favorite writers, he, he said that grace is opposed to earning, but grace is never opposed to effort. So you can't earn grace. You can receive it. But I think the hardest part is us inviting and receiving that grace to some of those deepest pain points and triggers and hurts that we've experienced. And until we um, invite grace into that, we'll just keep reacting. And whenever we react, we're just reenacting the past, the past pain, the past trauma, the past storylines. And I'm just trying to help people go deeper with Jesus, believe in what Jesus taught us to be true and actually apply that to our life in ways that ground us more in the Holy Spirit, more in God's love and more in the freedom that Jesus offers. All right. Today is the launch day. It's the day that this book uh, drops into the public eye. Uh, So it's kind of its birthday. The Thing Beneath the Thing. Author Steve Carter is with us. And yes, we are giving copies away today. So if you, um, you just recognize that, hey, I'm, I get triggered, and yeah, I go to my hideout, and yes, I have insecurities, and yes, I have false stories that I tell not only about myself but others, and yes, I would like to discover how to become a healthy person where grace is the operating system of my life, then this is your book. So go ahead and text the word book to 877-933-2484. Again, you're going to text the word book to 877-933-2484. When we come back from the break, I am going to ask Steve, who is Sarah Lynn and what does W-A-T-W mean? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, joining us, uh, author Steve Carter. The book is The Thing Beneath the Thing. Yes, we're giving copies away. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. For the person who just texted in, um, because I know that this is how this works in your car, your car actually texted us that you're driving. So we know that. So we'll get you signed up. We'll, we'll figure that out. We'll text you back. It'll be okay. Don't text us back if you're driving. It's not safe. Okay. Um, Steve, here's a question not on the publicity sheet, but... Uh, but since it's launch day, I like to ask authors questions that, you know, I'm trying to prepare you for every other conversation you're going to have in the coming days about the book. So who is Sarah Lynn and what does W-A-T-W stand for or mean? Yes, yes. Well, Sarah um, is my wife. Uh, her middle name is Lynn. So I just have always called her Sarah Lynn. And um, she is such a gift um, that God has given to me. Um, marriage is such a um, unique, unique journey because it's a mirror to your beauty and brokenness. And God has used her to reflect parts of me, uh, wounds in my story that needed God's grace. And the W-A-T-W literally just means we against the world. And we have to get this marriage right. Christ has to be at the center. If we do that, we can go up against any temptation, any struggle, anything that the enemy throws against us um, because we have Christ at the center. And so that's that's the, the heartbeat of uh, who Sarah Lynn is and what W-A-T-W means. So Carmen and Jim, that's me and my husband, uh, ours is A-T-W-H. Oh, what's that? Which All the way home. Oh, you love that. 
But we would we like yours too. We against the world is really good. I like that. So uh, we might borrow W A T W, and you guys can W can borrow A T W H anytime you want. I love it. I'm done. I'm I'm doing it uh, all the all right. way home. That's fantastic. All the way home. All the way home. You can say it without saying it with your eyes. I mean, you know, yeah. that's how marriage works. So, right. So, um, curiosity figures pretty largely in the thing beneath the thing. Uh, I first of all, I mean, just uh, hats off, kudos for calling the quote unquote conclusion the benediction. That is great. Uh, every Christian author out there is going to steal that. So just know that. Um, you uh, you talk about learning from somebody who's doing something at his house that you had never considered doing. So I want you to tell that story. But then I also want to say, if you've never um, considered hatching chicks at your house, we have nine that are due to ch- hatch here on Saturday if you want to drop by. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> How long does that take? 21 days. And literally, they hatch on the 21st day. It's crazy. Oh. It's literally like clockwork. It's totally amazing. Tell people about the guy you visited and what he was doing in his house that you'd never considered doing in your house. Well, um, so... My wife and I, we, we had gotten this uh, cabin, and um, I, I, I had just, like, never worked on a home before. Like, I never, I never demoed a house, never, never done anything like it. To be honest, like, going to Home Depot gives me a ton of anxiety and shame because I'm like, <laughs> I should know how to do this, but I don't. Uh, as I'm always praying, I'm like, Lord, please father me through this. Like, bring me to someone who wears an orange apron who can help me. And, um, but I... I, we get this cabin, and this cabin is this like older, rustic. It's got good bones, has all these beautiful windows, but it's like terrible carpet, drop-down ceilings. And and my wife just sees the vision of what this thing can be, and so we just start demoing it. And I just remember as I was demoing, and the ceiling was falling, pulling up carpet, ripping out the cabinets. I felt like God was saying, "Hey, this is what I want to do in you, in your heart. I, I want to like open it up." And in Dallas Wheeler language, I want, I want to renovate your heart. I want to let more light and freedom and peace come. And, and literally just beginning to like rebuild and restore, it was this picture of, am I going to be the kind of person who actually gives over the control to God's goodness and God's grace to renew and restore the broken places in my story? that can create a, a, a home that can welcome people in that, you know, and I love your heart, Carmen, because you have a heart to, to evangelize. And, and you, I mean, you wrote a great book about that a few years back and just trying to help have these conversations that people can experience, not just like facts about Jesus, but literally a person who has actually experienced the power of Jesus by what he has done in them and for them and through them and with them. Talking with Pastor Steve Carter, author of The Thing Beneath the Thing. Um, Steve, uh, how do distractions rob us, um, like steal from our authentic selves? How, how, how do, because distractions, I think, plague us. And so talk, talk a little bit about how that works. Yeah, well, you know, when you think about <clears throat> you get triggered, for many of us, we don't want to we don't want to deal with the thing beneath the thing. And when you don't want to deal with the thing beneath the thing, you're going to look for something, some glittering image, some form of escape, something to channel that, that kind of negativity or the pain of the past too. And, and again, this, this is like a, a Bible story, you know, in the sense of 
when Moses is up on top of the mountain with God and all of the, the people are just so afraid and wondering what's happening. Is Moses going to come down? And so what do they do? They, they don't know what to do with their anxiety or their fear. But it's like someone like realizes, well, we got all this gold. Let's maybe, let's, maybe it's just like, let's just build an idol. And then what do they, they use this idol for? It's like they're placing and projecting all of their sadness and anxiety and worry on it. And this is what we do every day. I mean, and Amazon knows this. It's why they created the one-click button. They know that it's easier for us to be distracted than to get after the thing beneath the thing. It's easier for us to run to what Tim Keller calls a counterfeit God or an idol than to get to the thing beneath the thing. It's easier for us to live in distraction than to live in authenticity. And that's what I'm trying to invite people into. It's the way of Jesus, a life that is about peace, a life that is about freedom, and a life that is truly about his sanctifying grace. The book is The Thing Beneath the Thing. Uh, you're going to appreciate how this this book by Steve Carter really helps guide you to acknowledge that which is setting you off. So the triggers and then hideouts, which you guys know, I tend to talk about the game of hide and seek that we're all still playing uh, with yes. God. And Steve calls that the hideouts. He also deals here with the false stories that we create about ourselves. We also call those insecurities. And then the narratives, the false stories we create about others um, inviting us then to really look uh, at grace as the place where we discover how to become healthy. This is a book about mental health. It's a, it's a book about what's going on inside of us and how what's going on inside of us affects not only our relationship with God, but our relationship with everyone else. So maybe, um, Steve, let's, um, let's end there and just make an appeal for people to work on their mental health because of the positive ways that that can then affect their relationship with God and others. Yeah, God, God wants you to have peace. And back to the distractions piece, you know, there are so many opportunities the enemy provides for us that will give it, us a fleeting sense of peace, but won't make us a person of peace. And when we are people who go deep with Jesus, we are filled with the Holy Spirit, um, people who are, who are putting in effort so that we can live a life that really is whole and holy and spiritually healthy. And I know for many of us, I know for myself, um, there are days that just feel darker or harder or sadder or more anxious. But thanks be to God that I, I don't have to run to some unhealthy escape. I can actually run to the one who came running after me. And learning to sit in that, learning to understand a God who is with me and will never leave me nor forsake me, um, understanding what I can do, inviting grace in, um, has really, really helped me. I, and I'll end with this. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen Ruth Bell Graham's tombstone. Um, you know, it says her name and then it says the date of birth and the date she passed. And then underneath it, it says, end of construction. Thanks for your mm. patience. And mm. I just think that's so beautiful because we are all in process. And sometimes we're just too hard on ourselves. But I love that Ruth Bell Graham understood, hey, I am just a renovation in process. And to everyone who knew me, thanks for your patience. And that just gives me a little bit of grace and kindness for myself that nobody gave me a map on how to be the best version of Steve Carter. Um, I do have the scriptures. I do have the Holy Spirit. I do have mentors. I do have great pastors and leaders in my life. I have do great friends. But it's my, uh, it's my responsibility to put those steps into play so that I can live a life and become truly a person of freedom and peace in Christ. 
Amen. The book is The Thing Beneath the Thing. Steve Carter is the author. We're giving away copies today. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter the drawing. Steve, blessings on this launch day. We know you'll have lots of conversations today. I bet I'm the only person that asks, though, what we against the world stands for. Like, right, I bet, I bet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into this day confident of that. Well, there you go. Mark Mark that down. Reason to come back and talk with us again sometime. Awesome. Thank you so much, my friend. Awesome. Absolutely. We'll be right back. All right. A lot going on on the text line to get today. I'm going to uh, invite you guys to be praying for me and for one another. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.